You're listening to the Duplication Nation MLM podcast. Leaders live here. Hey, boys and girls, guys and gals, moms and dads, welcome back to another episode of the uh, MLM Confidential uh, Duplication Nation podcast. We're here every couple of weeks. I like to do two a month. This is part of what we call the Chopping It Up series, which is very unique. It's taken the profession by storm. Uh, I can tell you the who's who of network marketing listens to this breathlessly every episode. Oh, let me put up my microphone. I'm just actually going to set up the mic. Uh, but the who's who of this profession listens to this or watches it on the YouTube channel um, because no one's ever had this kind of conversation before where uh, we don't actually, I don't interview anybody. They don't interview me. I get a partner every episode and we just chop it up about the real world stuff that's going on in the business. No censoring, no editing, nothing's off limits. It's big boy, big girl conversations. Um, and it just is filled with truth bombs. I think more truth bombs per minute than anything we've ever had. And I'm really excited about this week, uh, this episode, because this is a, another brilliant leader in our space, somebody who is a CEO of a company, but that doesn't do him justice because he's a field guy. He's a guy who started and worked in the field. He has crunched the carpets. He has drawn the circles. He has done the PowerPoint presentations and the 8 million live streams and all of that stuff. His name is Byron Belka. So my friend, it's so great to finally get you on. Hey, well, Randy, no, it's, it's an honor to be here. You know, just being able to see what you're doing in the industry and watch you all these years and just see that you're out there trying to really do good. You love the industry and you love people that are making a good name for it. And I love how you're not afraid to expose people that aren't <laughs> or talk about those things that, that a lot of people don't like to talk about. You know, everything's roses and everything's perfect and and nobody can can say how things really are. Life is never that way. So why would business but uh, even even in the good ones, you know, you've got stuff you've got to overcome. And it's great for people to have the real idea of what it takes to see success. Because when you're when you're filling it full of, you know, roses and all of these things, it's very, very obvious pretty quick that, you know, people feel like they're being misled or don't really understand why somebody would tell them it's something other than it isn't. So no, I love what you're doing because I really do think that we lose more people by making it sound too easy in this business than we ever do by just telling people how it is and making sure that they grow so that they can handle and understand what it takes to build a big organization and change lives here. I, you know, I, 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 it's like once more for the people in the back, I just... Uh, I've had a number of shows. Uh, Dana Collins and I talked about this. There's just, I, I really do believe it's as you say, we're, we're losing great people because we created false expectations. And so then the first bump in the road, they drop out. Whereas I'm actually working on a new book, right? And 
I took, I was going to redo a new edition of my book, Making the First Circle Work. And I was looking at it and I was, you know, planning to like update it. And I thought, no, you know, I want to do like I did with the direct selling book, direct selling success, because that was going to be like a, you know, the, a new edition of how to build a multi-level money machine. And as I was looking at it, even though I had updated it four editions, I just, there was so much new with social media and the internet and AI and the regulatory environment and social media and marketing had changed. And so I just said, I'm going to start from scratch. And so that's what I'm doing with this new next book, which will replace the first circle book. And I'm going to go back to a dear friend of mine who you probably knew because you were in New Skin back in the day, Mark Yarnell. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mark had done back at, when we were in the cassette tape phase of the world, <laughs> he had a, a cassette tape called the ABCs of MLM. And I decided in, in kind of pay homage to Mark and because that title really speaks to what I want that book to do. I'm going to make that the title of the book. So it'll be the ABCs of MLM. And awesome. yeah, and like when I think back to the tape that Mark originally did, and we just, him and I, we were, we're so opposite. He is, he was the most outgoing, gregarious salesperson in the world. I'm this neurotic, introverted, <laughs> never talk to strangers guy. But I was a lay minister in my Unity Church. He was a minister in the Unity Church. And we had that in common. And we just met at an Upline Masters event where we were both speaking. And we just developed this bond, you know. So I actually nominated him for the Direct Selling Hall of Fame. And we inducted him posthumously. And um, so I kind of going to pay homage to him and then just to the other, you know, why I think of it from what you said is because if you what he did in the tape was he told people you're going to get rejected. You're going to have no shows. You're going to have dropouts. This is the ABCs of the business. Know that mm -hmm. right up front. And then when it happens, nobody's shocked and nobody feels, oh, my God, I. I sponsored three people and one of them dropped out. I guess I should quit the business now. I must be an abject failure. But no, if we've prepared them for that stuff, then they know, oh yeah, Byron told me about that. Byron told me this was going to happen. So I'm ready for it. So we, yeah. we really do have to do a better job of that. No, I agree. Because I mean, we want people to win and they want to win, you know, but it's not this industry or anything. It doesn't matter what we're doing. You're going to fail more than you win, you know? So for people to really get that and grasp that and understand that, you know, they might have to have a minute where they might not look so good to some of their peers. <laughs> You're trying to do crazy thing. They might, you might have to have a little bit of a, a, a check to your ego there, but that's, that's why it's so important to understand that we don't, need everybody i mean it's not one of those things we're just trying to to go out there in the space and find those people that that get it, it seems like so many times we spend we can spend so much time and energy 
just trying to motivate and motivate and motivate instead of let's go find the motivated and let's just show them the path and teach them what to expect, you know, so that they can see, oh yeah, like you said, Byron told me this, or this was in Randy's book, or, you know, it's just, it's so much easier for people to realize sometimes people think two who get two and you go down 10 times and you've got half the world and, and you're, it's that easy. And anything in life worth having, it just has to be fought for, you know, it has to be, you know, otherwise uh, we're not becoming the people that we need to become to be able to handle the success or the leadership or whatever it is, you know, when it's there and you don't want that to be the case because then you can't hold it together. So it's just important to, to set those things out there, but the same holds true with schooling or with any other thing that we do. It's just for some reason, people think that a lot of those universal principles don't need to apply here. And, you know, you know, so it's just, it's just that whole entrepreneurship mentality. So just getting an understanding what that takes. I mean, I think, I don't know, I think you've seen this too, but uh, it almost seems like people want to own their own business. They want to not have a boss. You know, they want to do this thing so they, so that they can have that freedom. But that's the same problem with what we do here when somebody's never done that, because nobody's going to, you know, if you don't show up to work for two weeks or three weeks, your boss is going to fire you. But, it, you know, in this industry, you don't show up for two weeks or three weeks, you don't fire yourself. You know, you blame, you blame something or you think it's something else. And so that thing that a lot of times people are after, that freedom and not having a boss, you better become your own boss. You know, I think that uh, having those expectations and that understanding and really focusing on our skill sets and who we are, it's so important. And I love the fact that we build people, you know, in this, because you cannot reach the levels that somebody wants to reach without that personal development. And all those things happen, investing into the individual, which I think is key. Yeah, the... I the other issue that comes up is companies hire so many consultants and trainers who don't understand the business and, or they, even the companies don't hire them. It's just people market to our teams. And so we've got like now, I mean, how many clowns do we have trying to sell our people on AI and chat GPT and stuff that, like they're experts on it. There's nobody who's an expert on that. That stuff is evolving so rapidly that whatever you know in January is obsolete by March. So you're, <laughs> you know, their $77 ebook is worthless 10 minutes yeah. after it's out. And, um, and you know, there'll be a place for that stuff in our business, but we're not there yet. What people need to be doing right now is still doing the fundamentals. They got to have a candidate list their work and they got to be making invitations. They got to be getting people in front of presentations using external source tools. But it, we have such a lucrative market, you know, as a member of the National Speakers Association, I can tell you when I go to conventions, people are like, oh, my God, Randy, you speak in that network marketing industry. How do I get in that industry? Man, they have all these conventions with 10,000 people and they buy all the books and audios and coaching programs. And, you know, oh, man, I want to get in that market. 
So we attract this whole cottage industry of parasites who want to sell shit to our team. And, mm -hmm. and they sell training. It's like the example I was thinking as you were describing some of this stuff was like the, um, I, I can't tell you how many consultant trainers I've seen come in and say, here's the system. All you have to do is sponsor one person a month and you have your one person do the same thing. So in January, you just sponsor Jimmy. That's all you have to do. One person, just Jimmy. Now in February, Jimmy's going to just has to sponsor one person just like you and you sponsor one more. And now you have four. And then in March, you just sponsor one more and Jimmy does one more and the other two. And by uh, November, you have 86,221 people, you know? It sounds good. It looks good. It looks good on paper. It just doesn't work in the real world because you no. can't sponsor one person and create enough traction, enough momentum, enough energy. By the time the second month rolls around, the first person is probably gone. So it's that's part of the problem is we have these trainers teaching that so like you know our our he who would not be named our mutual acquaintance who's out there in las vegas who's teaching people stop you know all you got to do is build your personal brand just make yourself a star get on social media and so you have people who are writing books and doing live streams and giving speeches and becoming consultants and they're not even building their own business and their business is dying i get calls every month from companies oh my god we had these top leaders and they're doing so good and now they just want to personal brand themselves and and their business is dying so this is you know part of this we have to inoculate our team members against this stuff and make them understand you got to be listening to the sponsorship line who's actually in the business actually making presentations actually sponsoring people breaking ranks growing a business because all that other stuff is just abstract theories well and the thing is as you mentioned that maybe somebody can do it effectively and do it really well but this industry isn't about the the uh individuals that might be able to, it's about the masses it's about the people that can can do those small simple steps you know, like you talk about repeatedly over a you know large period of time, extended period of time. It's it's got to be something that that people can just do. You don't have to. You know, I think when you hear in this industry, well, we just got to train them better. We just got to train them. Training is key, but just the basics of the business. If we have, if 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 it's just not, you know, pretty much plug and play and point and do this and get better at certain things, we're we're not going to reach the masses now. There's certain things that people need to learn along the way, but we're talking about this is something for the average person to be able to go out there and change their life and learn as they go and, and take it as big as they want. But if, if people have already got to have all of these things in place before they feel like they can win and they're trying to duplicate that in their teams and organizations, it's just it's it, duplication isn't going to happen. 
you know, and so many times when people come, come to me, you know, now as I'm on the corporate side and I've got people trying to pitch me this, this app and this tool and that, and this will change the game. And that so many times it's like, well, if it works really that well, why, why aren't you in some company killing it? <laughs> doing no, why, why are you doing it? Why are you just making it happen? Cause you're so sold on this tool. It's going to make all the difference for me and all of these people, but yet you're still trying to, why are you even trying to pitch me on it? Why are you trying to keep it to yourself and just go build a team and grow? And so it's just those red flags you can see out there when, like you said, there's always going to be the latest and there's the greatest, but the most important thing is getting everybody on the same page, doing the, the same things. You know, there's always going to be a shinier object. There's always going to be maybe even a better way, but it doesn't matter if there's a better way, if the way that you're doing is working and people are duplicating that that's the important thing I think is, is if they believe they can do it and they like it, they like it and they see themselves doing it. I mean, you're, you're winning. If they can't see themselves doing it because you got to have 10,000 followers first and you got to have this and that and brand this and all of that. I mean, who can really do that? You're, you're, it's, you're just limiting the opportunity for the masses to be able to go and feel like they can win. I had a CEO, he he used a mutual acquaintance to get an appointment with me and and said he wanted to talk to me about consulting with his company. So I set up a call and I'm, uh, you know, chatting with him. And it was actually just an ambush. He wanted to offer me a deal <laughs> and he was going to put me in a spot with a cooked leg. And his whole pitch was he had this guy who was signing up 4,000 people a month on, I don't remember if it was TikTok or Instagram, but he was selling, you know, getting customers of them. It was like a vitamin deal or something. And he was a health influencer with, you know, 2 million followers or something. And so he was signing up 4,000 people a month. And he's like, Randy, he's going to be on your first level. And I'm like, First, I was so pissed because he was dishonest with the way he approached me. So that turned me off. And then I was like, do you actually think I care that I had somebody sponsoring 4,000 people a month on a leg of mine that I think anyone in the world would ever be able to duplicate that? That I don't think that guy is going to crash out and burn within six months or less because he will never get anyone to do what he's doing. And of course, that's what happened. It's just, I don't know, we, we have such a short attention span now and uh, everybody's looking for a hack, right? So that's like the sexy new word is hack, how you hack the system. And we just got to inoculate our people against some of that stuff and and keep them focused on you still have to meet people make invitations get them in front of presentations follow up you know um because there's a siren song of all this like i say it's a it's a whole cottage industry of just they're parasites and they want to get to your team and you know suck the blood out of them <laughs> no, I, you know i feel so bad for those people that do i mean that fall for it you know and they have something good and maybe they're 
they're told or they believe that it should be 10 times bigger, 10 times faster. And they go somewhere else and it, it doesn't happen, you know, and they realize that what they had was probably not a bad thing. They just needed to keep doing it. You know, I tell people all the time, if, if you're tired of starting over, then just stop quitting, you know, stop quitting. If you're tired of starting over, stop quitting. You know, you're going to have to figure these things out where you're at, wherever you're at. And so, you know, start where you already have a foundation. If the company's solid and the products are solid and you're, and everything is going in a, a good direction, um, it's it's us. We got to become better. And so many times we think it's, like you said, looking for that secret weapon or that hack or that, that something that nobody's telling us. I know that there's a secret that nobody's telling me. You know, and they're just keeping it to themselves and just the elites hear about it or <laughs> nobody else knows about it. But it's 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 the basics. It, and, and, and as you've probably experienced when even in the teams that you built or, or worked with, you know, they always say that it's different in this market or it's different with. Right, right. I, don't care, I don't care what market it is. You got to like you said, you got to prospect. You got to invite. It's kind of like you're saying you got to. You got to present, you got to overcome objections, you got to resolve concerns, you got to get people to commit, you got to get them to law. That never changes. The universal principles are always the things that I look for because that doesn't change. That's going to be there today in 20 years. It's a universal principle. I mean, methodologies and maybe ways to expose, but like you're sharing that example of that person on TikTok, you're, you're beholden to an algorithm at that point. You know, which can that be changes, cut off in five minutes. Absolutely. And they and they can say, you know what, this person, I don't like them. And then it everything changes because you base it on something that you don't have control over. I love when we talk about personal development, education, uh, relationships, those things that character that, that you're building, that can't be taken away. That that's something you have with you if an algorithm changes or if a methodology changes, the principles there, if you know the principle and you got the skill set, you're going to, you're going to be just fine rather than counting on some third arbitrary. I mean, I, I experienced this when I was even before this industry, first time I got a, a, a taste of a trend, you know, I was in my early twenties. I talked to somebody that had a, a hundred plus million dollar line of credit and to let me use $10 million. And I became a, I became a lender. You know, I would go, it was when interest rates were seven and a half and went to uh -huh. seven and six and a half and six. And uh, I was in the right place at the right time. And it had no, it didn't matter. It, we could save everybody money. You know, everybody could say I was, I was doing the right thing, but then interest rates changed. And it's very, very obvious that it wasn't me. You know, and I and I realized, you know, what I've got to find. Yeah, it was a great trend. I see the power of trends now, but it's not just about trends. It's about becoming and understanding these skill sets, because as you and I have experienced when trends are maybe not in your favor, some of the best times to grow. It's some of the best times to to build and where the opportunities are. And those people that don't have those skill sets and haven't built them and understand that they got to build them. Yeah, they're just they're just looking for the next heyday or or trend that may come along, may not come along. Um, you, you never know. But and if I love you don't it. own that platform. If you don't oh. own your customer, 
here's something nobody knows. I was in a mastermind group. Top, top secret mastermind group. We called ourselves Internet Hot Shots. So Tom, the guy who started A. Weber, the mail list company, which I still use to this day, which I believe is the best email delivery platform in the world. Um, the Arnold Kim from the Mac Rumor site, which gets like 5 million hits a day or some ridiculous thing. Um, the guy who did the original fax by phone and fax by email was in there. Uh, one of the founding members was a guy named Craig who started a little website called Craig's List. You might have heard oh, of wow. it. <laughs> yeah, I've right? heard of that. So, <laughs> I mean, we had some players in this mastermind. And I bet 80% of them had their business built around Google AdWords at that time, because that's what the thing was then. And Google would change their algorithm just some Tuesday at midnight. They would and we had people in that group, I mean, literally who were despondent and suicidal. People who went from $2 million a month income to $20,000 a month income. People who were doing 50K a month went down to $1,000 a month. They just, and I mean, they were just devastated and they had no agency, no control over it because everything was based on, they were gaming the system for the algorithm so that whenever somebody typed in whatever their topic was, they came up first in, you know, in the first couple, two, three in the search engine. But of course, Google, like anyone else, Google has to make a profit. And Google is basically at this point, Google is a monopoly, right? At some point, the government might actually have to say, you know, we might have to break up some divisions of this because they have created such a flywheel of just feeding themselves, you know, and they, they control such a huge part of the internet advertising market. And just like Amazon, I mean, you know, whatever your product is, you can sell it on Amazon and you are printing your own money. But they notice that you're printing your own money and they say, hey, that that Susie lady is selling 50,000 units a month of this thing, this widget. Why don't we make our own widget and we'll call it the Amazon widget. And just like, you know, I, I always shop at Whole Foods, right? I have for years. I just, I like organic food and natural and healthy and but it, it's like oh i had this certain brand of egg whites that i'd buy you know for my omelet after workout and so i had that brand and then i noticed they added the 365 brand next to it and it stays that way for about three months and then all of a sudden the brand i buy isn't there anymore and it's only the 365 brand which is the one they own you know same thing. I had cereals I bought or oatmeal I bought or something. And, you know, they start offering their brand. And, you know, so at some point you're going to go on Amazon to buy your case of Coca-Cola and it's going to say Jeff's Cola because uh, Bezos yeah. is going to decide, well, shit, Amazon is, you know, Coke is selling 
100,000 cases of Coke a month on my platform. Why don't I make a cola? And I can sell it 60 cents cheaper for every six pack. And a bunch, there's a certain percentage of people that'll say, well, I love Coca-Cola, but 60% less or a dollar less every six pack. And right, if, you know, that that's what, it's like when people, you know, say, Randy, what do I do about chat GPT? Like nothing. Call your customers. Give them custom, <laughs> give them personal service. Check in on them. Exactly. How's your inventory doing? Are you using the product okay? Do you understand now? You know, you got any questions of it? Hey, have I told you about this new product the company just came out with? The, you know, I have that device, which for people watching on the YouTube can see right there from our friend Bezos, right? I can buy any, almost any product in network marketing. I could just order it there and, and ask Alexa and have it delivered tomorrow or even tonight. So what do we have that's better? We have that personal touch, that one-on-one -on -one customer service. And that's what Amazon, you know, the, the thing I tell people is you're never going to out Amazon, Amazon. You're never going to out Walmart, Walmart. But Amazon can't out you, you, and Walmart can't out you, you. And that's where, you know, we've got to go in our business. Exactly. No, I love that because it is. It's one of those things. Be you. We don't need to be anybody but what we're doing. And and, and so that's another thing I think that so many times people, they get impatient and they realize that, you know, when you're chasing that that newest thing or that me too product or that me too concept, then you're never you, you know, you've got to focus on who you are, what you stand for, why you love what you love and attract your tribe. Because as you go out there, you're going to find those like-minded individuals that love what you love. You know, we don't eat everybody and not always trying to you know, have multiple personalities and, you know, confuse everybody like, no, we're doing, we're doing shakes today. And oh, tomorrow we're doing digital currency. And oh, by the way, uh, you can get a discount on travel. Oh, and, and did you know that if you go to this place and buy shoes, you know, you can get points for it's, I mean, it's hard for people once again, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit. You know, we really are. And we, we've got to create, and when you have that, hey, look over here syndrome or squirrel, you know, it's just one of those things that, it, how do you get people to follow that? They're having a hard enough time staying up with you, your existing people and your existing team, let alone attracting new people. So I think, so, you know, as you're saying that, just, just, just I don't think people underestimate the, the power. I think they underestimate the power of being themselves. And focusing on what they have, and that is them. It's like you don't need to be Walmart. You don't need to be Amazon. Just make sure you're authentically you. You know, within what what you believe and what you're for and what you're trying to accomplish, and you're going to make a lot bigger impact than than looking for that shiny thing that you think might grab a little bit more attention right now, but it's not necessarily who you are or what you were talking about last week. So it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. By the way, full disclosure for anyone listening, I and Ann Feinstein actually consult with Byron's company and we're developing marketing materials and building out the duplicable system and everything. Um, 
And so last week, of course, we had the experience of we had just done a major event and we had one of the leaders at that event on the platform given a training. And a couple of days later, they were calling someone and saying, hey, I'm joining a new deal. I'm leaving the company because they don't do this and they don't do that. And I'm like, Byron, where did they go? And then you told me the name of the company. And I'm like, another wacky, sketchy travel deal. Like has failed. Uh, if you've been around as long as I have, I mean, the number of travel deals that have collapsed over the years are just because most of them actually don't sell travel. Most of them are like this one. Basically, it's a they're selling a membership plan, which makes it very sketchy and probably illegal in a number of countries. Um, and and they're doing business in third world countries where people make a hundred dollars a month or whatever in a salary they they're certainly not going to be buying caribbean cruises and trips to norway and uh you know two weeks at the burjajarab in dubai it's like and so they do like you just said that you know well we've we've added three vitamin products and we've added three skin and they just buy some crappy private label shit off the shelf that some companies sell into 40 other companies and everybody's putting all their 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 own label on it i mean it's just like you said you know if you're tired of starting over stop quitting you know the People just always look in like that, you know, that's a couple. I, you know, that was my first time meeting him was at that major event. And I really liked him. I thought they were nice people and I, I wish them the best. But I'm like, if you got it, it's like if they subscribe to my MLM confidential newsletter that I do with Jaime, they would have known, oh, my God, that's a that's a business model that's dead on arrival. It's not a real product. People just, they got to understand. We get paid the difference between an illegal pyramid and a legitimate direct selling or network marketing company is we only get paid commissions on the product or service that gets to the end consumer. It can't yeah. be headhunter fees and these membership fees. And it's just, if people only knew it's so sad to see him getting victimized like that. I, I hate it. I really do. And the thing is, is it'll keep going on. It will keep happening. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things that I always ask, would somebody really buy this if there wasn't a business attached to it? If could you, could you buy it and then resell it? I mean, if you can't buy it and then resell it just in the marketplace, then you're doing the wrong thing. You know, if, if you can't, you buy it and you would buy it just because you want to. And the only reason you would purchase it is because there's a opportunity behind it. It's the wrong thing. Um, it's not going to reach the masses and it's, it's not a real viable product. You know, you've got to have something that adds value. Are you adding value? Because if somebody wouldn't pay money for it, if it's a, if it's a coin that's not on the marketplace yet, but it will be, and it's going to be worth this, or if it's, you know, something that you can't, uh, you can't resell. 
right then and there, then you should run. I mean, you just need to go and get a, a, a real product that can really add value to somebody that has a value today, not tomorrow or in six months, but the day you pay for it. You know, if I go and I buy something at the store, there's the value right now. If I order something like you're talking about from Amazon, I paid the money because there's value I'm going to get right now out of it. And so if the value is not there, huge red flag, because it's not just you, but you don't want to ruin your reputation or hurting people, you know, getting people. And, and yeah, maybe you believed them or maybe you thought that you could trust them. But if, if it's not set up on sound principles to begin with, because the the concept is not really in existence yet or something that just, just don't do it. Don't, just run. I mean, it's not worth uh, your credibility. It's not worth, I mean, I tell people all the time, it takes a lifetime to make a friend and a minute to lose one. You know, it's, it's not worth it. You know, just go out there and add value. And you, and when you really add value and you leave people better than you found them and you feel like you really get you know, success is attracted to you. It wants to, it comes after you because you you're a builder you're a giver you're not a taker and a you're not tearing down and you're not taking away but you're 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 adding and so i think this huge huge thing to consider when you're looking at any opportunity is what's the value right now for somebody so for people who don't know each of us write down like three or four or five bullet points we want to chat with the other person about so the one i one of the ones i have for you yeah. let's go back in time you are in hungary you're building you're a field leader for a company you actually did a mission i think for your church in hungary so you speak okay. hungarian so you've got a nice group going there you're at your hotel working out on the treadmill or whatever. You got a opportunity meeting that night at 7 p.m. And there's going to be whatever, 200 people there or whatever it is. And you get a phone call. Will you pick up the story from there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's exactly right. I mean, here I was you know, super excited about this opportunity. Uh, Had this meeting that night get fired up, you know, getting my uh, workout done. And I get a message that the company's going to shut down and they just really don't have the vision. Uh, they're not profitable or weren't willing to invest really what it took to begin with. And uh, they're kind of closing shop. So here I am. I've got hundreds of people. I sold tickets that night. Um, and I just get this information. I've always been a, a distributor at this point just building teams and organizations and you kind of get your niches and places and areas of the world. And that was one of mine. And so here I am getting ready to go do this meeting. And I have this information that the company just doesn't have the finances, the investment capital. And yet something I was really excited about, I was seeing results. I was help, I was seeing people's lives uh, improve. And so here I am. What do you do? What do you do? Well, one of the things what I know do you do. I mean, that's why I have to ask you the story because <laughs> I, I mean, I know there's people listening who have been to that, and I know there's people who are listening who are going to go through that. So you have a meeting set up that night. They're coming. What do you do? What did you do? So I call. 
Well, I think one of the things you always got to do is, is you just got to be real. You got to be honest with your people. You know, my leaders are not my leaders are my friends. You know, they're, they're, they're family. You know, they're, they're, they're people that, that I care about. I know they care about me. So I sat down, I got my leaders together and I said, here, this is the information that I just received. Um, I just want all of you to know this. And I told them, I said, I was the first person to bring this to you. I love what we're doing. I love this concept. Uh, and I'm going to be the last one to leave. So I don't know how we're going to do this, but I had zero desire to own a company. I had zero desire. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a field guy. You know, I love being in the trenches, but I just said, this is too good. Um, I don't know how, but we're going to figure it out and we're going to save this thing. And it didn't happen overnight, but I went and I found partners and investors and we did just that. And it's just, it's just making that commitment. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And, and I got blindsided. Like, I mean, I was trying to raise capital. I went to people that I loved and respect who, who, who respected me that were telling me to run. You know, I had, I had one person I went to, one of my mentors that said, you know, the next day I got a call from some other company and they wanted me to go there and, and, I mean, and, you know, they were offering me all this stuff, but it's because they were really concerned because in that scenario, that's probably not a smart thing for me to do. You know, I didn't have the experience I didn't have, but I, I didn't want it to go away. And, um, I mean, I, I remember one time I, uh, I went to one of my friends in the space cause I was just trying to, you know, raise capital, find money. And I had money and I finally got the, the manufacturer on board because they owed him money. I said, let me help you go get it back. You know, we went and got uh, the software provider. I got them on board. So I was trying to find partners, but strategic partners, people that could help in areas that we needed. Right. And, but we still needed, you know, you take over somebody's failed business. You take over a lot of skeletons you didn't know were there. And I, I think that if I would have known, maybe I wouldn't have done it, but I'm glad I didn't know. Because when a skeleton popped up, then you just deal with it. And then you just deal with the next one. So even, even the money that we had and the money that I raised didn't go to all the things that it was initially intended to go towards. Because, you know, when you have governments say, you know, I know it wasn't you, but they didn't pay their taxes. And then if you don't pay the taxes, we're kicking you out of the country. You pay the taxes. You know, you, know, you, you do those things that, that they didn't do right to try to just keep things going. And so... I mean, I was trying to find more resources. I went to to one of my friends in the industry that's multimillionaire, successful. They, they live in the penthouse suite of American Towers, downtown Salt Lake. And so I went, to, I went to him and I sat down and I told them what was going on. I was telling everybody what I was doing. And they said, uh, sweet, you know, I think we've got some interest here. Um, how about uh, we set up a meeting and you come back next week, we'll see what we can do. So here I am, I'm fired up, you know, just, okay, this is great. I've got somebody that's going to help. At this point, we had done an asset purchase. So we already did an asset purchase. So now I had the assets of the company, uh, you know, with my partners and investors, but we still needed more capital because, you know, it didn't go to all the places we needed to go to. So here I go uh, back the next week. I was so excited and I walk in and kind of like you talk about the bait and switch, all of a sudden I notice there's another owner of another networking company. I'm like, oh, great. All right. <laughs> okay. This guy from, you know, up in Idaho, uh, you know, a billionaire in oil and potatoes. And uh, 
So they're sitting in the living room with this person that I know is an owner of another company. And I'm like, oh, great. So uh, we had some licenses and some things that they that were set up and people were interested in that. But every time somebody would come and present an opportunity to me, I knew if they weren't interested in what I was interested in, and that is I loved the concept and I love what it could do for people, then I wasn't interested. If you were just wanting to buy people or you're just wanting to buy licenses into markets, that's not what excited me. What excited me was a, a, a new concept and being able to, you gotta, you gotta have that fire. You gotta have that flame and that passion in what you're doing. And so here I am. And and, and the guy was right. Who am I? I'm, I'm not a billionaire. You know, and yet there's this guy right here and he's saying, Byron, here's what he told me. He said, Byron, I know you, you've got a lot of excitement. I know you're fired up about this, but let me tell you something. I've been doing business for a long time. And he had here, you know, and this was, you know, over a decade ago. And so I, here I am, I'm in my, in my thirties, you know, I just never really owned or been a part of the corporate side or a network marketing side. And he said, here's, here's what's going to happen, Byron. You've got a problem right now, right? And your hands are tied and you're going to hustle and you're going to figure it out. And maybe you're going to get your hands untied. But then when your hands are untied, only then are you going to realize that your feet are tied. And so now you're going to hustle and you're going to really try to help figure that out. And if you're lucky enough to get your feet untied, then you're going to realize you're stuck to a chair. And he's like, you have all the best intentions, but he, and he looked me straight, straight in the eye and he said, but you're going to hurt a lot of people. You're going to hurt a lot of people in this process. I know you're trying to, you're going to do your best that you can, but when everything's said and done, a lot of people are going to get hurt. And I don't want that to happen to you or these people. So you have some things that I want, that I could benefit from. You're going to be fine. I'll put you here. You're guaranteed X amount of money. Once again, it's always good for me. <laughs> when people are pitching you, it's always good for you. you know, it's always good for me. But I just sat there and I thought, where would the fire go? Where, where would that passion be if I sold out? You know, And I knew that they weren't really interested in the aspects of the business and the products that I was. They were interested in some of the locations we were in. And they wanted some of those licenses. Right. And so that's the first time I ever told a billionaire, no. And I said, no, he wanted it. And I just knew it would have been good for me, but it wouldn't have been what I, what I wanted it to be. And so, and he was right. We did have our hands tied and we had to figure, and we did have our feet and, and our legs were tied to the chair. And, I, but we just kept, we just, he was right, but we just kept fighting and kept going because you got to have something worth fighting for. You got to have something that you believe in. And so, um, you know, and I'm not going to name names or say things, but that company has now been sold and uh, to somebody else. And obviously there was some tragedy that happened there in that company as well. But I, I outlasted the billionaire, you know, in that in that in this space. And it's not a pat on my back or I don't think I'm anything special or cool, but that's why you got to have something worth fighting for. Like, you know, like Steve Jobs says, you know, an entrepreneur, you got to be so passionate about what you're doing and love it because from the outside looking in, it just seems like insanity. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself through that? Why would you, why would you get on a plane? And that's what we were doing it for 
to hold things together. I mean, I was doing a around the world trip just about every month. I was in Asia, I was in Europe and I was in the US every month. And it was just, that's what it took. When you don't have the tools and you don't have all the systems, you don't have all those things in place. You got to be there, you know? And I, and I think that there's, there's a saying that I love and that I say all the time. And that is you can pretend to care, but you can't pretend to be there. You either show up or you don't. And, you know, when, when there's chaos and people aren't quite sure what's going on, you got to show up. You just got to show up and you got to be there. You can't be absent. You, you, people want to follow someone who knows where they're going and who's leading. And so, you know, it, I get a lot of credit for things. We've got a lot of amazing people, great team, great partners and investors and all those things that made it happen. But, but yeah, I wasn't willing to, to sell to somebody that didn't have the vision of what we thought this could be. And I'm sure glad that we didn't. Yeah, because you say, wow, it's not to pat myself on the back, or but you need to be patted <laughs> on the back. You need to be right, because it's 13 years later, and you're still standing, and you're yeah. making waves, and you're moving, making change down, moving up. And um, you did, I mean, the odds that were against you at that moment 13 years ago, I mean... Everyone who told you, Byron, run, run, run. They were telling you the best advice <laughs> that they could. <laughs> um, they were for sure. Yeah. You know, and there were, there were a lot of times we were like, okay, so how much do we need to make this month, you know, to keep the lights on, you know? And then we crunch the numbers and I'd say, okay, I'll go kiss my wife and I'm going to hit the road. You know, that's just what we're going to, let's just go get it done. You know, we can worry about it. We can stress about it. You know, and, and we can worry about doing the wrong thing. But I mean, here's the, any anybody, if you want to get through a maze, if you're in a mess, if you're in this maze and you don't know how to get through it, the worst thing you could do is stand at the point where you could go right or left and be paralyzed and not know which way to go. It's better to go the wrong way, hit a dead end and say, that's not the way. And then go the other way and, yeah. and get through the maze. Then to just stand there paralyzed in fear and not act. So, I, I mean, I, I don't care if we've made honest mistakes or just different things to figure things out. You've, you've got to. And I think so many people are, are, are afraid of that. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to fail. What if I hit this? Okay, well, then you know that's not the way. So we're going to go this way. But that's how you get through a maze, not, not being paralyzed. So I, that's one of the things that I don't let myself sit in fear. I don't, I, you have to act. Action changes everything. And, uh, you know, when you act, activity creates activity. And so, you know, that's what we did when there was nothing else to do. Just go do the basics that you know to do and uh, show people what you're about and what you're passionate about. And like you said, here we are over a decade later and we're in a position to be able to help more people than we'd ever, we've ever been able to. And I just love that, you know, that we didn't give up. We didn't give in. We didn't take the easy road. Uh but once again, we're not trying to make the easy money. We're trying to create something that matters and that lasts. And that's uh, what I love about those types of people that you, you stick with. Those are the people that stuck with me. You know, a lot of times people feel like, man, you went through all that. How crazy. But you know what? That's a foundation that you can't buy. You can't pay money for that. You have to go through the refiner's fire. You know, those, 
those leaders that stayed with me, my friends that stayed with me through all of that, like those people that you talked about that, you know, the shiny object or somebody telling them it needs to be this way or that way. They're not going anywhere. If they didn't leave me then, why would they leave me, you know, now? <laughs> why would they do that now? And so right. we really did. It, it created a foundation of just committed people that loved what we were doing, loved the pro and loved working together. And I think a lot of that had to do with honesty and just passion for what we we're doing. It's just such an amazing, amazing story. Uh I, uh, Orion Saleh, the, uh, the founder, co-founder of Zenzino, we did a one of these chopping it ups. He's another example. He was a when when he first when I first met him, he was a distributor for a company, and then he was a distributor for a different company. And they same thing. They were like going to sell or they were going to close, and he put together and the money and bought the company. And I mean. I hear like 10 distributors a year who going to start companies or buy companies and they all fail because the, nobody has any idea. It looks so easy. You know, all the corporate people, <laughs> like, what's the matter that, with yeah. these? <laughs> what's the matter with these distributors? These products, they just sell themselves. Just go talk to people, you know, why don't they, they're so lazy. Why don't they sponsor one? And of course the distributors are like, it's so easy. They don't have to do anything. I'm doing all the work. I'm making, I'm recruiting all the people. I'm getting all the customers. They have no idea about the the legal issues and the registration and the manufacturing and the health department and the FDA and the FTC and the AGs and the logistics and the employees and the payroll and the investment. And the, so you know, to do what you've done, to do what Orion's done to, I mean, it's just such an inspiring story that, uh, I, you know, I wanted people to know about. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Well, you know, my eyes have been open for sure. Cause that same thing you step on this side after being on that side and, uh, you're like, Whoa, now, now you get it. You get, you start to see things a little, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. I have a lot more empathy, you know, I have a lot more, a lot more patience uh, because you, there's so many factors, you know, it sounds so simple, but if it was, then like you said, everybody, everybody would be doing it, but everybody isn't doing it. And especially when you're expanding overseas and currency conversions and all sorts of, you, you can't, you can't control a war. You can't control yeah. when things happen. You, you can't control when currency spikes or goes down. You can't control when there's a strike or when all of a sudden you can't get product into markets because everyone's shut down because of, you know, what we dealt with the last couple of years and nobody's in customs clearing stuff. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't plan for any of that stuff. You just got to be willing to go and, and just, and just kind of pivot. And, you know, part of it's just, I don't know. I don't, for me, my wife's a saint. She really is, because I'm one of those guys that I don't know why I am, but it's like, we're either going to win or lose everything. That's just how I am. We're going to win or everything's gone or we start from scratch again. But uh, I don't. I just don't know how to do it any other way. You know, my my first company that we went, I was in, uh, you know, it was 20 years old, billion dollar company based here in, in Utah. And we were doing some amazing things. And people were like, how are you guys doing this when everybody already knows about it? 
And I think, to be honest, a lot of it had to do with I was just naive. I didn't I didn't know it was supposed to be more difficult. I didn't know it was supposed to be, you know, difficult and hard because people had already heard about it or joined, you know, twice with different people over the last 20 years or something like that. Yeah, and and I just think- to, yeah just to fill people in, because that's actually one of the other points I had for you is, and for people who don't know, the company was Newskin. So Newskin had blown up. They were a unicorn. They were, like you say, they're not only did everybody know about it, but they'd been in it twice and dropped out twice already, you know, <laughs> and you went in after that and built up, built a big team. Well, one, I had great mentorship, you know, I had, you know, uh, one of my, one, somebody that I still look up to and, you know, rest his soul, Nathan Ricks, he was just a great mentor. And just, I, I think there's a difference between a friend and a mentor. A friend is going to tell you that you look good when you don't, you know, and, and a mentor is going to tell you the truth because they care. They, they want you to win. I mean, he told me, you said, and, and, um, and, uh, huh, and put people to sleep. You know, he, he would tell me my presentations were terrible. You know, he put me in situ. I, I remember one of the first times that I was, I joined and we went to this meeting and, and he was presenting and I was brand new. So he, he, he knew I didn't know anything really. I'm just still trying to get my feet wet in the space. I'm new to the industry. And, and, you know, we're doing a presentation. I'm watching this presentation. And at the end of the presentation, I'm sitting on the front row and he goes, so what you need to do, if you like what we're talking about here is you need to get back with the person that called or that brought you here and you need to, to call the company because back then, you know, not everything was done through the Internet. You know, you call up and customer service would help you put orders in and all that kind of stuff. And so, so you need to call the company. And then in front of everybody, he just looks at me and he goes, Byron, what's the number? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know wow. He's like, Byron, what's, what's the number? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, 1-800-487-1000. See, I, I still, I will never forget one 800 And then he goes, and then once you call that number, you're going to tell them this, this kit uh, SKU number. And uh, he goes, Byron, what's the SKU number? Oh, no. Once again, in front of everyone, <laughs> I'm just sitting there, you know, feeling like an idiot. And uh, 0110-2423, right? I'll never forget it. 0110-2423. But see, that's what he was wanting me to do. Next time I went to a meeting, I knew the address. I knew the phone number. I knew the kit. I knew all of these things because I didn't know what he was gonna was gonna do. But he was always doing that that kind of stuff where it was out of love. But man, it just stretched you. And and that was the that was the thing that I that I loved as I did. I had a great mentor. So that's first first of all, I saved a lot of of time, which, you know, with all the information that, I mean, I learned a ton from you even back then, living in Europe, uh, driving around, uh, listening to audios that you'd put together. I mean, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel if you can have somebody kind of guide you and show you what you can do. If you only have so much time, if you're trying to go out there, sometimes we're, we're working hard, but are we working and doing the right things? So he made sure that I did the right things. And if I didn't do them, he would make sure I knew that I wasn't. But he he did it with love. He showed that he was, you know, was proud of me and all those things as well. But then the other thing was, um, I would just tell people, 
you know, when they would say, oh, I've heard about that, I've been in it, I'd say, but you haven't heard it from me and you haven't seen what we're doing. That's just what I would say. You haven't heard it from me and you haven't seen what we're doing. And this is what we're doing. And I'd show them and you know, tell them about this what we're doing. This is one of those, this is one of the, I always say there's more million dollar truth bombs per minute in yeah. this series than anything else. Just that, that exact language you just used. I hope people listening yeah. under, you know, recognize how powerful that is. Yeah. And, and then we could back it up, you know, and that was the thing. And so that, that's how we did. So I hit the top level, you know, in the U S in a 20 year old company in under two years. And, you know, we were just doing what we were told. And so, I mean, I remember when we first started, I mean, I, I was at, you know, we were at the market street grill in, in Salt Lake and it was late at night and I was sitting down with, with Nathan. Um, you know, I had, had somebody invite me there. Kenton, his name's Kenton Worthington invited me sitting there with Nathan Ricks and Kenton Worthington and, and Nate was telling me, you know, about the business. And sometimes you just need the person to say it the way you need to hear it. And he said it the way I needed to hear it. Cause I mean, we, we get, we hear a lot of different things. People call us up and, but he said it the way I needed to hear it. And he said a couple of things to me that night. One of the things that he said to me is he's like, Byron, cause I've heard every excuse in the book. I mean, you, you give me an excuse. I've heard it. So you can either make excuses or you can make money. You can either make excuses or you can make results. So don't give me any excuses. If you do this with me, I don't want any excuses. You know, so that's one of the things that he told me. I'm like, all right, you know. And then um, you know, he 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 said, I've been doing this a long time. And he was very blunt, you know, which I which I loved because I'd rather know. But this is what he said to me. I've been doing this a long time. The work, and I don't need to anymore. And I I do it because I love it. The worst thing I could do is teach you how to do this business for the next six months, waste six months of my life, and then you quit. And then he looked at me and he said, don't waste my time. I mean, this, this is the first time I met the guy. And wow. he's telling me not to waste this time. This was a two-on-one. Your friend yeah, who wanted to recruit you, and then Nathan was the sponsor, and he was doing the presentation. He did the presentation. Yep, he did. Yeah, this was it. And then the third thing that he said, so he said, and it, it's almost 11 o'clock at night. So he said, so are you going to do it or not? Because if you don't know, who knows? So are you going to do it or not? I mean, like, what do you do? I, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to get it. So he just <laughs> put me on the spot. And so here I go. I'm like, I, I looked at him and I said, I'm going to do it. And he said, all right. So he wrote down back then we didn't have zoom and everything so he wrote down a conference call number like a bridge number and a code and he slid it over to the table he just said i, I just said i was going to do it he slid it across the table to me and he said okay i want 10 people on this phone number tomorrow at 2 p.m so here's this guy i already knew he was a multimillionaire. i knew he was successful because i'm going to do a, i'm going to do a call for you he didn't he didn't say hey when do you think a good time would be to do a launch call for you you know, he didn't, he didn't do any of those. He, he just said two, it, it wasn't even lunchtime. It was 2 PM in a right. work day. Right. And so here I am, here I am. I'm, you know, I didn't want to disappoint the guy. I mean, I basically had just met this guy. I committed to doing, I remember driving home that night thinking, what did you do? Why did you say yes? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing here? 
but I didn't, I didn't want, and that's what I think a lot of times people were, we're so nervous to put any pressure on people that are joining our team. Cause we're so glad that we got them. Hey, someone just joined me, but I'm so glad this person joined. I don't want to put any pressure on them, but that's kind of when you need to put the pressure the most, because I, I probably wouldn't be here today if he didn't do what he did. Cause what ended up happening was, so here I am, I had a hard time sleeping that night. You know, what did I commit to? I said I was going to get, he told me to get 10 people at two o'clock. So I wake up. I mean, so it's not even 24 hours since I've been in the business. I joined that night. And a couple hours later, I'm doing this call. And uh, so we're getting close to two o'clock. And I don't have 10 people. And I'm starting to panic because I'm like, it's the worst thing I can do is my first impression with this guy. He's doing this thing for me. He'll never want to work with me again. I don't have 10 people. So I'm. it's like maybe a half an hour before the call and I'm still scrambling. So I call up my dad at that point, you know, you're calling whoever, you know, I, I just got to get 10 people on this call. I call up my dad and my dad at this point, you know, doesn't like networking, live in Utah. You know, we've been exposed to it 5,000 times. times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and he's like, I'm like, Hey dad, I, I just need you to do me a favor. Okay. You don't need to buy anything. You don't need to do anything. Can you please just, dial this number, stick your ear to the phone and just be, I, I told this guy, I was going to get 10 people on. And can you please be one of my 10? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So I gave him the number. I hung up and I'm kind of a little bit desperate. Unfortunately, this, this point, cause I need to get the 10. And I just thought to myself, hey, that worked. So I call my cousin, Hey, and I'm not saying that everybody should do this, but this is what I did. I said, Hey, <laughs> Hey, I don't want you to you know, put any pressure in. I'm supposed to have 10. I don't. Can you please be one of my 10? Just stick your ear to the phone and just be there. No pressure. And so he did. So we get on the call at two o'clock. I've got my 10. 10 are on there. I'm like, wow. So Nate does his thing. And, you know, he's super seasoned. And I and uh, the call's over. First person to call me back was my dad. And he calls me back and I'm like, dad, thanks so much for getting on. I really appreciate that. And he, he says, uh, so who do I give the money to you or that guy? I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and I know this is probably not a good story to share because it's not what. To, this is exactly to, the amazing story to share. <laughs> but what happened was I got this. I got nine out of the 10 to join. And I know that's those odds, I, you know, that's not normal. And I didn't know that though, but out of the 10 pieces, this is the power off. of third party or external source tools. In this case, it it's an upline making the presentation and oh, yeah. somebody like him. I, I don't know if he ever told you this, but Jeff Higginson, who's now your what president. president? Yeah. yeah. Um, like, a couple of years ago. How long has it been since Nathan died? Maybe a year or been, something? Yeah, about a year. So it's probably two years ago or three years ago. I'm talking to one day and he says, I just got a call from Nathan Ricks. And I said, yeah, what's up with that? He said, well, I wondered why he was calling me. And he was trying to recruit me. I'm like, what? Because <laughs> Ag Agile was in a office park, the office building for Agile was owned, the entire office complex is owned by Nathan Ricks. 
The next company, the next company, Nathan Ricks owns it. The next office complex, Nathan. I mean, that guy owned more real estate than God knows who. I mean, he was worth so much money and he was still actively recruiting people into New Skin right up, I assume, until the time he died. And he would he would never have to work again for, uh, you know, if he lived to be a thousand, he had enough money to last him for a thousand years. But he loved the business so much that he just kept doing it. And that was, his, that was his passion. He loved it. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, when you can have somebody like that presenting to your people, that's the the gift of our profession, that there's so many people like Nathan that are just rock star. I always tell people, I'm in the Speaker Hall of Fame with Norman Vincent Peale and Zig Ziglar and Les Brown and Tony Robbins and everybody. But I still say the best speakers I ever see, they're in network marketing. Because we make so many presentations. Gladwell talks in his book about 10,000 hours to become an expert. I've easily given 10,000 presentations. You've easily given 10,000 presentations. There's so many people in our space that I was in, a, you know, I did the water filter deal for a brief moment in time. And we had centers and we had presentations at 10 a.m., 2 p.m. and 7 p.m., seven days a week. You know, when I was, you know, showing the plan out in living rooms, I was doing it four nights a week, five nights a week. You can't make that many presentations without becoming amazing, persuasive, compelling, inspirational, dynamic. I mean, it's so funny to hear that story with your father, you know, just, just get on and put the phone and let it's just shows. Yeah. That, yeah. That, when they hear it from the right person at the right moment, everything changes. But well, the thing is, is what people don't understand too is I didn't have time to second guess my decision. I mean, now that I've got people in the you think I'm questioning, should I have done it? Should I have joined? I've got people underneath me now. You know, right. and he told me it was a monthly plan. So he told me you got to have 15 people. I didn't know why. And now, now I know why that how the plan works. If you have 15 people, you're a you're a you know team elite and you get all these different that's kind of the highest place to hit. So you gotta have 15. So he told me you gotta have 15 by the end of the month. We had three days to the end of the month. And so here I am, okay. I've got Amazing. I've got nine. I've got nine. And so he's like, you gotta get 15. So we gotta bottom line is by the time the, the month was up, I didn't get 15. I got 12. And I thought I was a failure. I thought. He wanted me to get 15. We only got 12. Um, man. But I didn't realize later that that's not bad. And that's pretty good. But the thing, the thing was, is, is what, what happened that next month is what do you think I expected my 12 to do? I expected every single one of them to get 15. And hey, you guys have all month. I only had three days. You have all month to get 15. So that's one of the reasons why we took off is we didn't know better. We didn't we didn't have any anything to compare it to. I was new to this industry and I didn't know 15 was hard. It, you know, I'm like, if I got 12 in a couple of days, every one of you should be able to get 15. 
by the end of the month, let's go get your 15. And I didn't even know the comp plan. I just would regurgitate what he told me. He said, he told me to get 15, so I'd tell them to be 15. You know, he told me, to just, I would tell them to do that. And so we grew pretty fast. And I think that that's, another, you know, as you're talking about earlier, you know, the, the, the one who gets one a month and then the next month they duplicate. But this business is so much easier to build fast than it is to build slow. There's, there's, a, certain, there's a certain fuel or energy that happens when you're building faster, you know, than slower. And so, you know, I, I almost feel like if, if somebody would have told me, if you would have told me, uh, go get, go get two or, or jump here. And it was one foot. I would have done that. If he said, jump three feet, I would have jumped three feet. It, and so we, we've got to give our people the direction. We've got to tell our people what we need them to do for them to win. I mean, I want them this, to win. This is one of those million dollar tips. If people really get it, that when you, what he did with you, he created the greatest gift. He gave you the greatest gift because he created a rank advancement culture. Hey, 15 people qualifies you for this rank. This is what we do on this team. We like to get our people to 15 here and we want them to do it their first month in the business. Because it's just as you say, then, of course, you replicated that same culture with your team and they replicated that same culture with their team. And that's the difference between a team that goes from zero to 33 people in a year and a team that goes from zero to 5,000 people in a year. It's what kind of a rank advancement culture do you set? Exactly. Well, in, in, in that scenario, I don't have time to create my own brand. You know, I don't have time to, you know, get a thousand followers first. I don't have time to you, you can see time that's... to buy a $77 ebook on a downline building system that builds your downline for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I didn't you don't have time for that. You just you just go. And that's you know, that's what uh, what I did. And, and then we've got to be careful that as you get educated and you start to learn why those things work, that you don't try to over indoctrinate everybody and get in the way of, I mean, how many times have we seen in this industry, somebody joins, they know nothing and they sponsor and see a lot of success and then they educate themselves. And now they don't get anybody to make a decision. Kill their yeah, they kill their, exactly. They just created all these obstacles because they started making it about them. And that's that's one of the things that both he and other mentors that I had in my first that first company in Newscan, they would tell me. I had one guy that would tell me all the time, every time I would try to bounce stuff off him, he was a sideline leader that was very successful. Because I try to pick everybody's brains that it would tell me, you know. And he said, he'd always tell me, you know, you're making it, why are you making it about you? Get out of the way. Stop making it about yourself. Why are you making it about you? Get out of the way. And I had to because I was in my 20s. And most of the people I was sponsoring were my friends, parents, you know, people that were way older than me. I didn't have credibility with them. I didn't have experience. It had to be about this. It couldn't be about Byron. It had to be about the system. And so that's what they would say. Why you get out of your own way? Get out of the way. Why are you making it about you? Make it about, stop it. <laughs> it would basically, I heard that, I don't know how many times. Another million dollar tip, because that's what you can't, it, 
when you join, you're not a multimillionaire. You're not making 20,000 a month. You can't, yeah, you could lie and do the smoke and mirrors or whatever and do some hype, but that's going to collapse. But when you get yourself out of the way and you use the tools and you follow the system, then you're selling the people who do have the results. You have the case studies. You have the leaders who've done it. And that's where, but as soon as you're in the equation, then it doesn't work. Like even for me, so I start, you know, I was high school dropout. I've been in jail for armed robbery and burglary when I was 15 years old, teenage drug addict, teenage alcoholic. I mean, I made a lot of really bad decisions. Nobody was, you know, there was no colleges giving me scholarships. There was no companies offering me a corner office and a company car and a health plan. I was a minimum wage dishwasher who had to work my way up. I had zero credibility, but I learned it couldn't be about me. It had to be about the system. And if if people get that, it's so liberating for them. Um so, no, I'm, so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. What do you I, what do you have on your uh, list there that you want to chat about? By the way, no, I'm just. I mean, one of the, one of the things that I love about you, Randy, is is that you're in the industry, but I mean, you 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 want to know it. I mean, this is something that you love. This is something that you're passionate about. So, I mean, you you see you've seen a lot over the years. Uh, you've seen a lot of ups and downs. You've seen a lot of uh, things that are trending or things that worked and didn't work i mean are what are some of those key things that you think that are just just universal that you know you got to have this and if you don't have this and you're just missing an ingredient into the into the formula that is needed because you know i know you're one of those people that you can spot something and you pretty much can evaluate and say okay this is is going down in a blaze of glory in the next six months or this has a chance you know this has a chance and yeah. so there's a lot of people out there like how how do you how do you evaluate and how do you know if something is legitimate as well as something that's not legitimate because no one wants to be suckered or duped or feel like that they're promoting something that makes them look bad because they just yeah. didn't know yeah well a, a part of it of course is just i'm doing this for 44 years I made the mistakes. It's not that I'm so smart that I could recognize a pyramid instantly. It's that I was so unsophisticated that I joined pyramids and crashed. I joined crazy cockamamie sketchy deals and crashed. Uh, it's so funny. So I was at the event with you in Oslo and you were telling the story of, hey, when I was 20 years old, I was listening to Randy Gage and his Duplication Nation audio album and everything. And then oh, yeah. like two weeks later, I was in Almaty, Kazakhstan, speaking at the convention for Global Trend, which is a, a Kazakhstan company. And they have three founders. And so after they, they came up on stage at the end of my presentation and the founder told me, I want you to know we're the second generation of Randy Gage fans. My parents had your 
albums and all your training and they followed you for 25 years and now I started the company and I'm your, you know, the second generation who's following your work. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I am getting so old. <laughs> now I, I've got the, it's, and it's, it was, it was delight. It was an amazing event. They had like 8,000 people there. Um, crazy wow. energy. And they, let me tell you, I mean, who could imagine a company in Kazakhstan doing what they're doing? They're killing it, right? There's 8,000 people there. They hire me for a half-day program. I mean, people have any idea what I charge for a half-day for an international thing. I mean, my plane ticket was twenty-four grand just to fly me over there. They had the biggest band in Kazakhstan that they hired to do the entertainment. It would be like, you know, I don't know hiring who here in the U.S., but I mean, just so they had put so much money. And so I'm backstage with the MC and the guy from the band and the guy from the band, the, the like the lead singer. I think it was the lead singer of the band. Um, he says, I'm going to stay for your session because they tell me you are the Michael Jackson of MLM. And I got to see what you're telling all these people. <laughs> and I'm like, the Michael Jackson of MLM, you know, is that, uh, you know, so it was like, so second generation, right? So, so many years I'm doing this. Um, but and you know, because you know my story, I struggled for five years losing money and going to and just, you know, uh, quitting company after company. And then I became an MLM junkie. And I thought, well, because my dream was if I could make $10,000 a month, I would be the richest person I had ever met. I would be probably one of the richest people in the universe in my what I thought at that time because I, I just remember back then your rent was like $150 a month your car payment was $100 a month or $125 a month or something and I was like could you imagine $10 thousand dollars a month you could never spend it because that was the limited perspective that i came from because i came from a really you know a single mother who raised three kids by herself knocking on doors selling avon i was was we were poor and the idea of ten thousand dollars a month i was in bill Britt's house okay yeah with the maid who opened the door, the French maid outfit, okay? The, the servants, I mean, this for this kid from Madison, Wisconsin, to see this kind of lavish, you know, lifestyles of the rich and famous, oh my God, this was so, so I thought if I could just make 10 grand a month, this is, so it was, wasn't working for anything. So then I said, well, I'm going to join 10 companies. And if I can make a thousand dollars a month in each one, then I'll have my 10 grand because this company has 
vitamins and then this company has long distance service and you need the long distance service to build the vitamin company anyway and then this company has uh, car wax and you know if you get a bonus car in the long distance company you need wax for your car <laughs> you know so i sold myself on how these 10 companies all just work together perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it, you, you don't make anything when you work more than one company because it's like you meet somebody like, okay, that's Tuesday. Which company am I working today? And then you need <laughs> 10 starter kits and 10 lines of product sample and 10 different systems and 10, you know what I mean? It's just so five years I'm doing all that. And then I, I have the you know, the come to Jesus meeting with myself where I say, and Amway had been the first company I joined. And I'm like, okay, I've got to be honest. I didn't make any money with Amway, but they're a multi-billion dollar company. And they weren't doing what they're doing now, but they were still at least a couple billion. And I'm like, mm -hmm. there's people who really are living in those homes, flying in private jets, going on those cruises, living dream lifestyles. So the problem wasn't the company, the products that come, everything they had there obviously works because those people are doing it. And that next company I joined, there's successful people in that company. And the next one, and I look at all the, you know, and a, a number of them had shut down and they were sketchy deals and whatever, but there was still um, you know, there was probably a dozen companies that I had been with in some way or another, and they were thriving. And I had to say, okay, the problem isn't network marketing. Network marketing really works. The problem wasn't those companies because those companies are really working. And all this, there are successful people in those companies, and they had the same exact comp plan I did. They had the same product line I did. They had the same marketing materials I did. There's only one thing difference, and that's me. And so that's what my next stage was. Okay, I'm going to learn skills. I'm shy. I'm not a good salesperson, but I'm going to learn how to meet people and I'm going to put myself, you know, I'm going to put myself in situations where I meet people in a non-threatening way. And then I'm going to learn how to draw circles. I'm going to learn how to make presentations. So I started doing presentations and I found a restaurant up in Sunny Isles here in Miami and they had like a banquet room in the back. And I knew the manager because I had worked there at one time. And he said, yeah, you can have the banquet room every night. As long as we don't have a private party in there, you can have it. And just tell if your people buy a coffee or tea and a piece of cake or pie or something, you can use the room. So we told all the team members, hey, make sure you buy something. They're giving us a room for free. And I was in there in my Miami Vice suit drawing circles five nights a week. And I learned how to sponsor 30 people in a month. And so I sponsored 30 people and I'm like, all right, I'm done it. Cause you know how it works. You get five the five, get 25, 25, get 125, blah, blah, blah. So I got 30 already. I might as well order the Lamborghini now because it's only a question of time. But then, you know, month two rolls around and it's like 26 of the 30 are not active. I'm like, Son of a 
you know, what these people, are they stupid? <laughs> are they ignorant? Are they lazy? I'll so screw them. I'll get 30 more. And I'm drawing my circles in my Miami Vice suit every night and I get 30 more. And then again, and, and, and this goes on three or four months and they're run, they're jumping out of the other side of the boat as fast as I could throw them in on the first side. And so I have another come to Jesus meeting and I say with myself and say, okay, I have got to learn how to do this business in a way that my people can replicate my results. And that was the start of my, what now you would call my step-by-step -step duplicable system that was in the Duplication Nation album you had, the How to Build a Multi-Level Money Machine book, and then later became the Direct Selling Success book, and that generic system. And that was the breakthrough for me. So five years of just horrific failure, and but never given up. Right. Never. Oh, you know, it's uh, you probably don't remember him. There was a, a senator way back in the day from Utah. I think. No, not Utah, Montana or somewhere out west named Morris Utah. Ute, Udall. Mo Udall, I think was his name. And he had ran for president and he didn't make it. And but he ran again. And somebody's and he said, once you run for president, the only thing that gets it out of your blood is embalming fluid. <laughs> and I feel like network marketing is that way. Once you buy into the dream of really, okay, no, I want to be my own boss. I want to pick my own hours, choose the people I work with, the tax advantages, the travel opportunity, become successful by helping other people reach success. No limits, no glass ceilings. Nobody cares if you're a high school dropout or PhD. Nobody cares about your sexuality. Nobody cares about your religion. Nobody cares about your age. Nobody cares about your credentials. You join this business, you are going to make exactly what you're worth. And I, that got in my blood. And so I just never could go back to being an employee and being happy again, even though that had been what I had done. I just, I could never. So, you know, the dream kept me in the game long enough to learn the skills and learn, Hey, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what works. It matters what duplicate. Yeah. And I started, okay, what's the formula? Get in, uh, you know, lead a large group of people to do a few simple actions over a sustained period of time. And so, and I'm like you, I get the same call. Hey, Randy, I got this guy. He mows the lawn of the lady who cuts the hair of the lady who babysits for Derek Jeter. And we could sponsor Derek Jeter, and then he's going to get all the New York Yankees to use the product. And we're, you know, no, that might work, but you know what? It won't duplicate. Oh, Randy, I saw this thing. You know, we could take an ad on this. And, and now it's, you know, TikTok and Instagram. And I'm like, what's the next presentation that you can get some candidates in front of that presentation but i know this guy he he works in the government and with the navy and if we sponsor the navy do you know how many products they could buy where's your list 
where's the <laughs> next presentation where you can get some people in front of that presentation, a third party source presentation. Um, Cause that's where duplication lives. And sure. so here it is 44 years later and all, you know, and I've been here from cassette tapes to DVDs to VHS tapes to uh, mobile apps to CDs and DVDs and uh, social media. And the fundamentals still haven't changed. I mean, and what you said, I mean, you talking about truth bombs, there were so many things you were sharing that like, boom, 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 uh, that I love. I mean, I loved when you said, I think the first key is you can't get better at anything if you're not acting. And you just, you, you, you did stuff. You were doing, like you said, presentations every night, you know, you were doing it. Cause, and, and that's what we can't get better at anything if we don't do it and go through that. And I think that that is, that's a critical key point that, yeah, we want to do it and we, and we can train and educate people on how to be better and use tools and stuff today. But, but man, you can't, I mean, I almost feel like if somebody just just had some toothpaste and it whitened teeth or something, and if all you did was knock doors all day, and when somebody answered, you say, hey, I've got toothpaste that turns people's teeth whiter, you wouldn't want any, would you? It's just a terrible pitch. You would still sell something. If you You'd call up people and say, listen, I joined one of those pyramid deals, would you want to join a pyramid? You would sponsor some people. You still do it. Yeah, no, it might not be as effective and you'd have to do, but start, I loved how you started there and you just did not quit. And then you've honed it in to, to get to where you've gotten today, where you've been able to teach and train so many people on how to make money and become millionaires and stuff. But it wouldn't have happened if you weren't willing to, to just do it, just do it, just do it. And that's, it, it's a kind of a lost art where people like, if, if we only want to go downtown, I think that's a, the mentality today. If I, I'm going to go downtown, I want to drive downtown, but I'm waiting for every single light to be green at the same time. As soon as every light is green at the same time, I'm going to go. And they never go. And yeah. so it's just, it's just it, doing something. And then once you get that result, you, uh, you go through the process. I mean, that's, I mean, I think back when I was one of those summer sales guys. You know, we're, By the way, I while you're telling this, I'm going to go over and bring in another light because it's getting dusty okay. in Miami. So, but please continue. Okay. Yeah. So, um, one of those summer sales guys and I was at college, poor college student, met this girl, wanted to, to marry her or date for a while. I was broke. So I'm like, I need money. And, and there was all these summer sales programs were starting up. So I went out to Oakland, California. They didn't have the training systems yet. They didn't have any of this stuff yet. It was just like new. Throw, and they would drop me off in the morning and then pick me up when it was dark at night. And here I am in the avenues of, of Oakland, wow. uh, just knocking doors. And knocking the first week, doors. Wow. knocking, going door to door, selling home security systems. You know, so figured avenues, people are interested in that. You know, here, here we are. And first week I knocked doors from sun up to sundown. I didn't sell one security system to anybody. Some people in my team, you know, they, they, they left, they went back home. It's like, this is, this is terrible. You know, this, we're not seeing any success. Second week I knocked doors from sun up to sundown. 
didn't sell again. Now we're only out there for three months. I'm trying to make money in three months to hopefully be able to buy a wedding ring, you know, <laughs> get a new car, you know, all this stuff. And two weeks have gone by. I've just, I don't know how many hundreds of doors I knocked, didn't sell any systems. The third week I ran into a lady that would have sold, that would have bought from anyone. You know, I just happened to knock on that lady. She wanted a home security system. And then I went through the process. I saw, okay, this is, we filled out the paperwork. This is how the install happens. You know, I did it. I, you know, it, it, I went through it, the, the experience. Okay, great. So three weeks, I got one. Then the fourth, same thing. Fourth week, I knocked all week. I got a guy, same thing. He would have bought from anyone. So my first month, I'm out there three months. First month, I sold two. I didn't even have enough money to get back home. So if I wanted to go home and quit, I, I didn't have the money to, to, to go home. Uh -huh. And so, but what happened was by the end of that summer, um, there wasn't a day that didn't go by that I didn't sell three, four or five systems. And I became one of the top five salesmen and worst. We Oakland was the worst office out of all the offices. And I was one of the top five salesmen because I started to, pay attention and learn what happened. If they said no, what did I say? If they, you know, if they, if they um, said or were interested, we stood on the steps for a few minutes longer. What was I, I? I started to pay attention to all of that stuff. But when you do hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of doors, you start to get, and, and by the end of the summer, I was running from door to door. Give me the no. If it's a no, <laughs> get through the no to go find that person. That's going to be the yes. Yeah. Because, you go through. And so I love that you have to go through that process. Now, luckily you've got people like yourself that have had this experience that have gone through a lot of those things and you can teach. And I love that if somebody would have told me 20 years ago that Byron, you're going to have and be an owner of a networking company and you're going to have Randy Gage working with you, putting some tools together. I would be like, what? There's no, I wouldn't have believed it, you know, but here, here, here we are in this situation and I love it. But it just, it takes going out there, no matter what it is, and taking the time to learn. Now, luckily, no one has to learn like I did on doors or like you did doing meeting after we got coaching and people teaching and training today. And so there's no need to, to do, you still got to get better and go out there and get the nose. But, but at least it wasn't like what you've had to experience and go through. But uh, I you got to put in that time. I thought that that was so powerful when you said that you just did it every night. You got 30 more. You did. That's how you figure things out. And that's how you create the legacy that you've created through your experience. And I love how you said that at the very beginning. Um, a lot of the information that you've learned, it's from not just doing it right, it's from doing it wrong. Yeah. And uh, so true. You got, you got to be able to pay your dues. And, and in this industry, you know, those dues have been paid by a lot of people. Now we can shorten that learning curve for quite a few people that have the passion here if they're willing to put in the time. Oh, we can so much shorten that learning curve. I should have said at the start, anyone watching, listening, you got to go to duplicationnation.com uh, site. Jaime Lokier and I do got a free newsletter there. MLM boot camp. It's kind of like a three week. Um, like a boot camp or survival training on what to go through in the business. There's nine lessons in three weeks. 
there's so much great resources out there and leaders now who've done it, like the people I have on this chopping it up. That I mean, why does, I mean, every time a new episode comes up out, I know when it's posted because I come into my office and I pick up my phone to get my podcast for the day to go down in the gym and listen to on my cardio. And I see, oh my God, I got a message from Feinstein. I got a message from Art Jonak. Andy Dooley wrote. Oh, Marco Passananti wrote. Oh, there's, they're all about, oh my God, that new episode was so-and-so. My phone <laughs> blows up every time an episode come out because we do have these people now and they, you know, they have, they've been through that stuff. We've learned the lessons. And so, yeah, people don't have to go and, and go through that stuff. We can save them so much drama. And again, we, we still have to do what Mark Yarnell did. Hey, you're going to have dropouts. You're going to have no-shows. People are going to take deals. You're going to have some ridiculous guru scamming people and MLM crypto deals and your pyramid schemes and Ponzi's are going to come out. But if you stay the course, if you, the other thing that works so well for me is I always ask everyone, okay. And, and this, I think this is what Nathan did with you when he said, Hey, don't waste my time. You know, I'm telling people, I want your commitment for one year. You're not going to be a millionaire in two weeks. You're not going to be. And when they said, yeah, but I heard there's a crypto deal. I know a guy, he made 20,000 his first month. I'm like, why would you waste your time with a crypto deal and only make 20,000? Why don't you just rob a bank? You could make 80,000 your first month. Well, I'm not going to rob a bank. That's illegal. Right. And the MLM crypto deal is illegal too. So if you wouldn't rob a bank, then you shouldn't do an MLM crypto deal because it's just as illegal and harmful as robbing a bank. So if you want to do if you want to do bank robbery, then I'm not your guy for me, for you. But if you want to build a solid business, I will coach you. I will mentor you. But I need your commitment for one year, at least 10 or 12 hours a week. I don't want you looking left. I don't want you looking right. And I worked with uh, Richard Quick, who uh, was the swimming coach at Stanford. And he coached all kind of Olympic. He probably put more swimmers on the medal stand than anybody at, 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 at that time. He was coaching Jenny Thompson when I was working with him. And, you know, when I would watch the way he coached those swimmers and he's like, you don't look at that swimmer in this lane. You don't look at the swimmer in that lane. You swim your lane and you just get down to the end of the pool as quick as you and you make your kick and you come back down, you know, and forget what's going on in those other lanes. And, you know, that was very impactful for me. And so I, that's what I'm telling people. I know you can go on Facebook and hear what this company's doing and that and the downline building systems and the chat GPT and the AI and the, you know, forget about it. I want you to just be coachable. Give me 10 or 12 hours a week and follow the system. Don't look left. Don't look right. Swim in your lane. And then at the end of the year, we'll evaluate. And if you tell me, hey, Randy, I've been doing this for a year, just like you told me, and I'm not happy with my results, so I want to quit. 
I will not argue with you. I will not debate with you. I will accept your answer unconditionally. And what happens is nobody quits after a year because yeah. I've got them over the line. They've got 13 customers who buy product on a regular basis. So it costs them zero to get their own products and they make some money on their own products. They have some people who are doing the business. They may, they're not a millionaire yet. They're not making $20,000 a month yet, but they're making $1,500 a month or $2,200 a month or $3,700 a month. And they would be a brain dead moron to quit. Because why would you quit if you're making, you know, and the other thing we, we need to say more in this business is we got to stop being so jaded about the incomes we produce. Like yeah. people think if they're not making 50 grand a month, they're a failure. I, I, and I learned this myself, you know, I was building in Singapore and uh, uh, my guy there, Melvin. So Melvin, you know, he meets me at the airport and we had arranged, I was going to meet with, uh, like six of his leaders uh, at a dinner before the event or lunch or whatever it was. So I'm there and we're at the, and he, he, so I'm, I'm meeting these six people and he tells me, and I want you to know every one of them are full time in the business now. Wow. So I'm thinking about it later and I take him aside and I said, Melvin, you know, these people are, I know their rank, they're probably making $1,500 or $2,000 a month. Why are they full-time in the business? Why did you let them quit their job? It's like, Randy, do you know how much money that is here? They have a very, this is a very nice income here. People don't make that kind of money here. And then, of course, when I started building in Ecuador and Peru and <laughs> Mexico, and my God, if you get to, you have somebody making 600 US dollars a month, 1000 US dollars a month. They're the richest person in their family. We've we've transformed their life. They they have money for doctor bills and hospital emergencies and to have money to pay the groceries and the rent and they have money to set aside for the college and the family vacations and stuff you know we we're too jaded we gotta realize you know the, uh -huh. the, it was like this was back so i don't know what the number is now but at the time i saw this statistic they were saying the average bankruptcy in america would have been alleviated with an extra two or three hundred dollars a month in income and so whatever it is now let's say it's eight hundred dollars but it was like literally like 80% of those bankruptcies would have been avoided with a few hundred dollars a month. And we just, we get too jaded about the big checks, I think. I think we do too. And, and you know, as you're saying that too, that was, you know, as we've expanded and gone into different markets, sometimes people, well, why would you go to that market? They're so poor. Well, I love it because you can empower somebody that quick, like you're talking about, you can double their income. And then even, even here, you know, in, in places that are more affluent and, and richer countries, I mean, you think about it, it's compared, I was just say compared to what? Because $500, and yeah, you're going to have to do some maintenance for your customers and stuff. But if somebody's making $500 in the US and it's coming in every month, I mean, that's a rental property or two, you know, profit, I mean, or 
where if you you had you'd have to have two hundred thousand U.S. dollars in the bank at three percent to make five hundred. It is, or you know, I always tell people if you're making five thousand dollars a month in this industry, in my mind, you're a millionaire because you would have to have a million or two in the bank, yeah, to be able to make that. Now it's not. It's not like I said, it's not like you still have to maintain it. You still, have, but if you had a rental property, don't you still have to maintain it? Don't you still need to make sure that the, the sinks work and new paint? Yeah. You still got to focus on your customers and maintain, but this is something that, that is, it's coming, you know, income that, that as you have a customer, they're going to buy it again. If you have real good products and, and, and pr provide a real good value, you're going to be able to help them again and benefit again. And I love that because you, you got to compare it to the right type of income to the right type of scenario. So it's not, it's not $500. No, it's, it's $500 in your side hustle that allowed you to get a hot tub that allowed you to go do this. That yeah. allowed you to go, why, why don't we talk about the things that, that it's providing that you can, you can go buy those extra shoes. You can buy that, that new, your wife, that new bag, or you can buy, you can't go on this trip or, or it's not, it is a big deal. You know, it really is. And if you compare it to a lot of other things in other ways, I just, I, I love the, you know, what, which one's easier going and making the money, paying the taxes after taxes, having enough to get a rental property or to do that. I love that we can go out there. We can bless a couple of lives with real products that benefit and make sure that we're good and in, in supporting them. And if they see the benefit, you know, you can keep the benefit. And I love that. You know, product moves and you get paid. Talk about, you were telling me um, you, there was a meeting and it was your anniversary. So you didn't, oh, go, yeah. to the, you didn't go to the meeting. So yeah. after the meeting or the next morning, you get a call from your yeah. mentor. Was that Nathan? That was Nathan, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So explain what happened next after that. <laughs> you remember that? So, yeah, I do. So here, here I am. I'm this young, you know, newlywed. So we, Monica and I, we hadn't been married very long. I'm in, I'm in networking and, and Nate had a, had a, we, we, we attended events and if he came into town, you were there. Okay. If he was taking his time to come into town, you better be there. And so I was always there. But he was coming into town when you know it was my anniversary, so I didn't go. So Nate, when when he would call, if you didn't answer, he would call again. He would just call right back, and then if you didn't, he'd call again. And and you, I, I knew that every time he called, he'd be a little more frustrated and mad. So here it is, <laughs> early morning. It's, it's in the morning. It's probably seven thirty a.m. I don't remember. It was early. I was still in bed. All of a sudden, my phone rings and I look and it's Nate and I'm like, because oh, I didn't go to his meeting the night before. <laughs> and then he calls again and I'm like, oh, I better just take this, you know? So I obviously get out of bed, go uh, pick up the phone and I answered the phone and one of the first thing Nate says, you weren't at my meeting last night. And I'm like, I know Nate, I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize. It, it was my anniversary. So I took Monica to dinner and we, we, uh, you know, celebrated. And he's like, well, how come you couldn't have just celebrated on the weekend? You know, why, why do you have this? Cause this was during the week and <laughs> you know, he started getting frustrated and I was kind of getting frustrated. I'm like, come on, man, this is, it's my anniversary. And he said, Byron, when are you going to get it? Here, here's what happened because you didn't 
focus on the meeting because you weren't going to go. You didn't tell your team to focus on the meeting. And because of that, their businesses didn't move forward. So because you weren't going to do it, you didn't emphasize it. You didn't push it. And everybody missed out on an opportunity that could have made their businesses grow. So you got in the way of your own business. And and I was kind of, and then he kind of calmed down. He says, I, I know you're a newbie wed and you have to celebrate on the day. He's like, but why couldn't you have just called me? Which he was right. I should have called him. I should have called him and told him, hey, Nate, I'm not going. But I know, I knew how that would have gone. <laughs> I knew he would have said, he, <laughs> I would have taken my wife for our anniversary to his presentation. So <laughs> like, I didn't call him because I knew which direction that would go. But, you know, so he kind of calmed down and just said, you just need to realize, Byron, that this, don't make it about you. Like I said, I heard that a million times. You got to get out of the way. And, and, and as I hung up the phone and I was sitting there and kind of calmed down, I was a little frustrated that he made a big deal out of it. But he was right. You know, I wasn't going, so I didn't promote it. I didn't call all the people on the team. I didn't say, you got to go to this. I didn't do what I normally would have done because I wasn't going. And I did. I did have everybody miss out on an opportunity. So once again, I was like, I hate it that he's right, but he's right. And that was it. You know, he was a big proponent on, on meetings. You know, he, he would sit in the front every meeting. He would not be on his phone. People wanted to talk to him and do side meetings because that, oh, there's Nate, there's Nathan Riggs. He wouldn't go in the hall and just chat. He was in the meeting front and center the whole time because he could expect us to do that. If yeah. he did that and, and where that stemmed from is he, he would tell a story. He said when he joined new skin, it was about five years in to them starting up. So he wasn't there right at the very beginning. I mean, he, he may have been, but I think, I think he got involved, really got involved about five years in. So he went to this meeting and uh, he was the only one in his team because he just had joined. There's hundreds of people in the room and he's sitting there and he made a commitment to himself. He said in the future, Every event that happens, 50% of the people are going to be mine. I want 50% of the butts in seats are going to be my team. And that was his focus. And because that was his focus, that's kind of what his team focused on. And they got to a point where 50% of every opportunity, 50% of every event, that was it was people from his team. And he had that be a focus. Now we know what happens at events. You know, people belief level increases. You know, that's where they people the real decisions are made. You know, that's where people can connect with somebody that they, I mean, it's one of the greatest tools that we have. And so because he had more than 50% of the people in those events from his team, he ended up getting 50% of the company's volume, overall company. So the company's volume revenue, 50% of it came from his team. And that's when the company this is was a small. Multi-billion dollar company. Yep. Yep. And so... And then when they hit hyper growth and they went into momentum and now the company does billions a year, still obviously it's outside of its pay structure, a lot of it, but 50% of the company's volume is still from his team and organization. And he attributes that to one of the greatest tools that we have. And that is events. You know, you got to go just because somebody joins the business doesn't mean they're in the business. You know, we've seen that happen. How many times where people join and they're all excited, but they never get started. And uh, I mean, even this last event that you came and presented and trained at, you know, how many times I've, I've heard since that event where somebody said, I went, I brought uh, two or three people on my team. 
they've done nothing before the event. Now they got customers and now they've got partners that are joining. They, all of these, because they saw something and something happened at the event that can't happen any of the other. I almost feel like if you don't put events as a priority for you and your team, it's like saying you're you're making a cake and you're leaving out the one of the ingredients and it's flour. I mean, you know, you, you just you're not you're not keeping people into well, the you, business. You you know, we had a call with you, Ann and I talked yeah. to you last week, and you said we are literally double the recruiting this month over last month as a result of that meeting. Exactly. Getting people yeah. together. Yeah. And and if we go and look and see where those recruits are coming from, they're all the people that were there. All the new rank advancements are going to be people there at the event, you know. So if you know that that's, you know, this business, we don't invest tens of thousands of dollars into infrastructure. We don't have to invest tens of thousands of dollars into even inventory, but we better invest into ourselves. I mean, going to an event is an investment into your future because of what it does for you and your team and your organization. When people say, oh, I've been to one, like you don't get it. You don't get I went to the last event. No, you don't get it. I mean, it's not say the same thing that I, I heard a million times. It's not about you. It's not. About, it's about the system and about duplication. And if you ever want to be sitting on a beach somewhere, drinking out of a coconut, and your business still growing, no matter what, you better get people to events and doing all the aspects of the system, because that's what keeps people in and keeps them fired up. We, I need to be refueled. I need to go get rejuvenated at those events too. I mean, it helps me, and. Uh, so I just think it's it's so important that you know, people perform not according to their abilities. We can all do more. Everybody performs according to their belief level. And when they leave an event, their belief level went from here to here. And so you see that in the activity. You see that in the, in the results too. People can feel it when they're talking to somebody. There's a different feeling when they have that, that energy. And so <laughs> that was one of the things that I learned early on and I didn't realize it now, you know, how was I able to, you know, to hit that top level in that company in, in two years? It's because we created that cult. I, I kept more people. I kept more people in because we would go to events. It was just part of our culture. So with Agile, uh, Randy Schrader was the um, master distributor or founding. Dist he might not have been the founding distributor, but I think he was. But I think he was top spot so and then he brought in worry so and then worry brought in me like six months after they opened mm -hmm. and we said eric and i were like okay we got to do an event we need to get just find out who wants to run with this thing so we booked a room in chicago i think wanted something middle of the country people could fly to and we printed up some tickets said all right, here's the, you know, the tickets are whatever each, but a pack of 10 is this. And then Schrader heard about it and he said, hey, I hear you guys are doing this event. Can I get in on it? We said, yeah, absolutely. The more, you know, we want the social proof in the room and whatever, we could work together. And so I was the one who kind of organized and I put sessions for Randy and Eric and me and gave everybody their talking points and created the thing and everything. It was so weekend you know friday night saturday up till noon on sunday and i just said i'm going to have the most people at that event and i had 
17 lines at that event. Worry probably had five. Schrader might have had 10. They were, and they had, you know, cooked legs, which they had negotiated, which they had the right to do that. I wasn't with a cooked leg. I was building both sides. So the, he was the, you know, Schrader was number one income earner. Worry was already number two by that point, I think, or shortly thereafter. And I was number 857,000, you know, whatever. But I had 17 people at that event. And from that event, within, I don't know, six months or eight months, I was the number one income earner in the company. And I still will say to this day, it's because I had 17 lines at that event. I mean, I had someone who literally I sponsored on Thursday, a flight attendant that I recruited on Thursday. And I figured I had nothing to lose. I told him about the meeting on Friday in Chicago. He lived in Fort Lauderdale. And he got on a flight and he flew there and he was, he was my 17th line that got to that event. There's just, you, as I say in the first circle book, you know, hope is what gets people in the business. Belief is what keeps people in the business. And the belief is built at the major events. It just can't be duplicated anywhere else. You, you know, people, they don't want to go. They're going to like, Byron, you know, you go, I don't have money. I can't get off from work. I got to get a dog sitter and a babysitter and the roof needs, the gutters need to be cleaned. And I promised my cousin I was going to move a sofa on Saturday. And you just go and you take really good notes and then come. No, it's just not the same. If they get in the room, they hear those speakers, they look in their eye, they shake their hand. Somebody gets up on that stage and tells their story, which turns out to be the same story. And every meeting, there's this certain percentage of people who get over the line from hope to belief. And some people do it the first major event. Some people, it takes 17 major events. You have people, they've been with the company literally for 10 years and they just, they like it. They love the products. They come they haven't brought a guest since the Obama administration. They haven't recruited anybody new since then. They just go because there's a talent show and they love the talent show. Or they go to the weekly meetings because you serve cookies and they like the cookies. Or most of the time, it's just like they're in a negative dysfunctional job or relationship or both. And then one night a week, they're surrounded by positive people with a dream. And so then two or three times a year, there's this major event where there's hundreds of positive people or thousands of positive people. And all of a sudden, on event number 17, they get it and they go from hope to belief. And, you know, once you have enough lines who go there, your business will never die. Even if you got run over by a bus tomorrow, you would have developed enough lines of leaders in them that the it will continue to grow. And it's just going to throw off that uh, residual income to whoever you will the business for. Because they once they have belief, they don't ever quit. If you just have hope, you could quit. Well, this other deal looks even better. But if it's belief, 
you're like, I know the products work. I know the comp plan works. I know the company is solid. I know the business works. You're never going to go anywhere else. And that's major events. That's what does that. Oh, that's awesome. No, that's a powerful story. I mean, it's true. I mean, I mean, I, I, it's these things that once again, people think like, what's, you know, what's in it for me? And you do need to know what's in it. What's in it for you is this is what you need your team to do. You need to come, you need to get refueled. And, you know, and when somebody tells me too, that they, like, I, I'm going to hear the same thing, you know, they're going to say the same thing. If somebody says it's the same thing, then all I know is they haven't progressed since the last time we went to an event. Because yeah. just like, you know, I live in Utah, we got these mountains behind my house and stuff. I, mean, I could go climb up the mountain and I can look down and I can see the valley and it looks a certain way. But if I take, you know, go up a couple hundred more feet, it's the same valley, but a little bit different perspective. And, yeah. you know, anytime somebody tells me, well, you know, I, I already went one, I know they don't understand that it's the tool that's going to help duplication in their team. And two, I also know that probably haven't progressed because if you still say it's the same thing, then you're not looking at it from a different viewpoint, which means there's been no personal development. So that's the same thing for me. I tell myself, did I learn anything this time from that same presentation that I've heard a hundred times? And if I didn't, then I need to make sure that I'm, I'm growing, you know? And yeah. so I think that's powerful like you're sharing the these these events you know turning that that hope into a belief you know, makes all the difference i mean i got one story if you, if you don't mind to share it um that as you're saying this like i was thinking about my, my uncle you know i've had my uncle when i was when i was young in the business um we have those people that were just are on our chicken list and i you know my mom's the oldest of her siblings my uncle's the youngest this one and so the age difference between us, I'm my mom's oldest child. So she's the oldest. And so my uncle's not too many years older than me, but just looked up to him. And everybody in my family knows no matter what he touches turns to gold. I mean, they just know that he's just, he's successful. So I'm like, I got to get my uncle. And uh, I mean, I gave him product, you know, and that didn't do it. And I got him on calls, which I thought would be good because it worked in the past and that didn't do it. And, you know, I had him come to an opportunity presentation and that didn't do it. And I, and I put some time in between these because I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to. And, and then we're, we were having an event because uh, we used to do these fly-ins and they would do them every month. And, you know, I called them up like, oh, we're going to have the doctors in town. We're going to have leave. I mean, can you come? It was like a Friday, Saturday. I'd love to invite you. You can be my guest. And he's like, oh, I've got, uh, I got to, got to work. He was busy. But just be, probably because I was his nephew, you know, it's like, I got this lunch, I got this lunch break, this lunch hour, where I don't really have anything. I'll just drop by. Like I said, it's where we live. I'll just drop by um, and participate a little bit. I'm like, awesome. Thank you. You know, I'll, I got a ticket for you. I'll save a spot for you. Um, and so he shows up for this, this, this segment that he could during his lunch break. And we're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, the time that he needed you know, that he told me he had, had come and gone and he's still there, you know, and he's listening longer. And there was somebody on that stage that resonated with him. Yeah. And I, ended up, I ended up because of that event, he finally joined and he became one of my, I knew it. He became one of my biggest leaders in, you know, on my team. And it, it took my confidence to a whole nother level. Cause like, yeah. okay, if yeah. I've got this person on my team now, I mean, 
and I was so scared to talk to him. I mean, who am I afraid to talk to now? I mean, it just, it totally changed everything. And it was the event that did it. It was the event that got him. It wasn't any of the other things. Um, and he became one of my biggest teams. So huge, huge believer. I mean, that's when I had no credibility. I needed the, I yeah, needed the credibility. you don't need the credibility, you know, because <laughs> once you have the credibility, it works against you. Like my family there. I have yeah. nobody in my family who's in my team. Nobody. And it started because, of course, they knew me. I'm like, they're like, this is Randy. He was in jail for armed robbery. He was a drug addict. <laughs> he dropped out. He was kicked out of school. He's a loser. Why Why would I listen to him on how to make money and be successful? And then fast forward, I'm a multimillionaire. I'm the richest person has ever lived in my family. And they're all like, well, of course it works for you. You're a multimillionaire. It would never work for me. Like, <laughs> you're, you're Randy. You're, it's you. Yeah. It's like, wasn't there somewhere along the way that you could have jumped on the train? But of course, the fault is mine because what right. I didn't do effectively along the way was find a third party tool that I put them in front of. So I have to take 100% of the blame because that's on me. That's not on my family because I didn't find a way to do that where they looked at it and said, oh, I could do this. That's the power of tool. Like when you're, this is what, of course, I'm telling all your diamonds is, oh, you know, they're all experts on seed source nutrition and they can riff on it for six hours. And, you know, Ann and I have to keep telling them, you're not allowed to talk about that anymore. You have to point to a tool because that's when somebody sees that tool and says, oh, that's what you do. You invite your friend and you say, hey, if I send you a link to a three minute video, would you watch it? And call me as soon as you're done. Your friend, you know, the, the, you know, the, another million dollar tip. If you're making a presentation and your candidate is thinking, I could do this, they're going to join. If you're making a presentation and your candidate is thinking, I know some people who could do this. Man, my sister-in-law would be amazing at this. Oh, my brother-in-law, he loves this kind of thing. If they're thinking of names in their mind, they're going to join. It doesn't matter how much the kit is, the cost, it's all irrelevant. If they know people they believe can do it, and if they're thinking, I can do this, they're going to join because it's exactly the right. law of the universe. It's like gravity. It's like physics. There is no, you know, it, it, but that only works when you use a tool. Because then when you do that amazing three-hour presentation, everybody's saying, well, that looks very interesting. I'm sure you're going to do really well at this, but it's just not for me because they can't see themselves doing that. You know, it's just... You know, do I have time? When am I going to learn that? You know, how do I do that? Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, so, it's disempowering. Yeah. So listen, I want to honor your time. I know we've been going a while. You got anything else you want to chat about before we roll on? 
No, I think it was good, good conversation. There's just, like I said, an honor to be on here with you, Randy. It's great to be working with you, be able to learn from you and uh, just love this industry and love the people that are out there trying to push the right way to do it and teach the right way to do it. Because this, this industry is, I think the world's coming to it. I think you see affiliate market, that's all networking. Everything's come, everything's coming this direction because it's just a better way. You know, and I, and I love that uh, you're out there on the forefront and you're not afraid to to call somebody out when they're not uh, doing it right. You know, and, and people should know that there's a source out there where they can get that information, where you know, it's an unbiased opinion. It's just factual. And I love what you're doing in this space. And I love that we have an opportunity to to work together and the tools that you're putting together for the team and organization here is they're going to make a huge, huge difference. So thank you. Appreciate for, appreciate one for uh, being able to work together. And then two for having me on this, uh, this session tonight. Well, I'm so glad I got you on. Um, but I have this tradition now, the last thing, every episode, I ask people, what is the worst rejection you ever had or the worst presentation nightmare you ever had and what did you learn from it and this is this is usually the most favorite part of the interview for a lot of people who listen and watch because of course they think oh my god byron's so successful i'm sure he's he never <laughs> faces rejection i'm sure all his presentations must go amazing um if i if i pose that question to you what what pops into your mind Oh, I've got to, I've got to filter it through because <laughs> there's so many, there's so many experiences, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, for me, one, one of the worst presentations that I did was just, I was, I was in a new area and I don't know why sometimes you, you feel like you got a rhythm and you're doing, you're doing great and you feel like you got some confidence. And then one night you're just off, you know, you're just off. Like, and so here I was, um, obviously it usually starts with, you know, the technology not working or something else, yeah, not, yeah. You know, not learning how to pivot yet. And, um, I, I was, I was sweating profusely. I mean, I went and, and because of the presentation, I was him and Han, I was, uh, I, I could see the sweat rings in my shirt. I wish I would have had like something to cover it up. I just felt like uh, just a, a total mess uh, when I got done with that presentation. Nobody joined, and um, it was it was just a total disaster. I felt like I was I was trying really really hard to even remember what to say. And and what I learned from that experience was one, you got to be prepared. Two, you got to be on time because I know that was one I got caught. I was, I showed up a little bit late because of traffic and some things happened mm -hmm. and um, I just started it off wrong yeah. and the whole night was, was a disaster because it started off that way and I didn't know how to let something go. It just felt like um, one failure upon the next, upon the next. I was trying to wing it because I couldn't get my PowerPoint to work on the screen and um, not one person joined. And that typically didn't happen. You know, everybody, uh, I, I felt embarrassed and, and I apologized to everybody. I wanted to buy everybody dinner or something, but <laughs> yeah. it was, it was just, 
it was a night that that I uh, I was trying to drive a new team and a new line, and I was really pushing them to to do their part, and they did their part, and I I didn't, you know, and I uh, that's one that always comes to mind where I regret where you got to be have backups, be professional, show up, and know how to pivot, and after that I learned how to go back to the whiteboard, you know, go back to uh, a, a brochure, and and what we did is I created these brochures that. If my presentation didn't work or that I'd give to people that they could follow along when we talked. So then if if something didn't work, if something was off, I could just refer to what people had in their hands. It was a little trifold that had the whole presentation in it with the points. So I did learn to be prepared and have that back up. But I wish that would be the only one. I could I could talk about showing up and, and my and my luggage not being there and presenting in sweats. Um, I mean, you name it, all the different <laughs> things like that. You just, uh, it's all part of the journey, but it's uh, those things that you learn the most, really. You see, we're both getting old because we think, oh my God, my luggage didn't show up. I, I had to prepare in sweats, but 20% of the people watching are saying, I always present in sweats. What's the, <laughs> what's the problem with that? Exactly. <laughs> It's funny yeah. how the the dress code has changed in the in the biz along the years, right? Stuff changes, but the core principles, man, they never change. They never well, my change. friend, I simply cannot thank you enough. I knew this would be just more truth bombs per minute than the law allows. Uh, <laughs> you have such a wealth of experience and your passion just radiates, your love just comes through, you care for your people and your team. Uh, and I know this, this episode is gonna really, really make a difference for a lot of people. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Randy, appreciate you. Love this industry. All right, for you guys watching, like, subscribe, share, call your team, let them know. Duplication Nation MLM podcast. And every two weeks or so, we put out a new show. So thanks again for watching or listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you on the other side. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe.